For the radio audience, can you please tell us who you are, what band you're a part of, and where you are? Ray Benson, Asleep at the Wheel, Austin, Texas. Did you imagine when you released your first record, 1972, that you'd be here this many years later still writing songs and performing? Yeah, I hope to have been. You know, I assumed that if I lived long enough, this is what I'd be doing. Um, I didn't know what level of success I was going to have, but I was going to keep playing and figuring out how to how to make a living. And but uh, did I think I was going to win a bunch of Grammys? And no. There's an interesting tradition of let's just come out and say it. Uh, I would say nerdy Jewish kids, myself included, who fall in love with Western music, folk music, blues and sort of like Bob Dylan transforming himself into this character that wanted to be the next Guthrie, you know? Well, first of all, I was Jewish, but I wasn't a nerd. Second of all, <laughs> I, I started performing when I was nine and as a, you know, a folk musician. So we, you know, we sang me, my sister, and two other neighbors had a group. And so I've been performing since I was nine years old. And like we sang with the Philadelphia Orchestra when I was 10. First of all, I didn't live in Philadelphia. I lived in the suburbs, which were, had basically encroached on a bunch of um, horse farms. And so we didn't think of ourselves as city kids. We thought of ourselves as we rode horses. You mm. know, the neighbors had horses, we rode horses. The fact that, that, that we were baby boomer Jewish kids had nothing to do with the fact that the, the American culture had so permeated our lives that that's what we did you know the radio informed right. us of the music and right. that, and and tv uh, gave us identities we were all roy rogers gene autry sky king you know it was all and so i mean when i was seven years old i remember going down to the tv station to see gene autry so you know it's it's and, and i kept as we got further on into sleep at the wheel and people kept asking me this i said listen there was no geographical imperative as to what you're going to sing, play, or be. Right. Van Cliburn's from Fort Worth, and he plays classical music at its highest level. Right. You know, et cetera. Uh, you know, people find their path to, regardless of, of where they are from. A ghost heard in the sky. Well, howdy, everybody. It's your friendly host and song wrangler, Zach Lupatin, again. You're listening to The Show on the Road, Mighty Episode 103, featuring the one and only Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel. And let me tell you, out here on the Roots Music Sonic Frontier, all music is welcome. Even people who just started touring last month for the first time, like Sammy Ray and the Friends, who we talked to last week and has become the most listened to episode of 2021. Thank you so much. But this week, we go the other direction. When Ray Benson got his friends together and started to sleep at the wheel in 1972, the average cost of a new house was $27,550. The cost of a gallon of gas to fill your pickup truck in Texas, 55 cents. We were at the height of another presidential scandal, though with a similar ring to it. I mean, Watergate. And in a similar echo of war, the Vietnam War was crashing to a horrifying defeat, just like we just saw in Afghanistan. Now, many things have changed since 1972, of course, but one thing has remained constant and true. 
Ray Benson, and Asleep at the Wheel, making good old-fashioned roots music in the tradition of Western swing pioneer Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys. And for me personally, as a band leader who has tried to keep a diverse group of folks together for over 10 years, what Asleep at the Wheel has done for 50 is honestly unprecedented. I guess I could wax poetic about how a skinny kid from the Philadelphia suburbs became an icon of Texas music who won multiple Grammys, toured with Bob Dylan, and made movies with Dolly Parton, but I'll let Ray Benson tell you himself. And actually, we have a bit of a scoop this week on the show. You'll be hearing songs from Asleep at the Wheel's new record, Half a Hundred Years, a day before it drops. October 1st, that record comes out. Please check it out. It is lovely. And if you have a chance, please go on our iTunes page, leave us a kind review, and tell us which artist you discovered on this program. And last but not least, please check out my group Dust Bowl Revival as we hit the road finally for a full tour with the wonderful Smoothhound Smith. October 30th, it starts in Chicago, then we go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, and all across New England. So please check it out, dustbowlrevival.com. Okay, here he is now, Ray Benson. Try to synthesize what a sleep of the wheel means to you now, 50 years in. Um, is it the 90 or so people who have collaborated with you through the years? Is it uh, the actual essence of Western swing music? Like, what what do you think a sleep of the wheel means now? Oh, to me, it's my life. I mean, you know, it's what I do. It's what I get up every morning and do. Um, and I try to, you know, do it at its highest level in terms of, you know, quality of of performance and arrangement, etc. So it's uh, it's a it certainly has um, it's that's what I do, and it's in my mind I was given the chance to help present a, a kind of music that I that that was that is purely American, mm. and so that's the chance that I got, and I figured that's quite an honor uh, for anybody. And so I'm going to treat it right. Do you remember when you first heard the music of Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys? I was 17, maybe, yeah, 17, maybe 16. Um, and I heard Brain Cloudy Blues, and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. Guys, Western cowboy musicians playing the blues. So I went, I want to hear more of this. My brain is cloudy, my soul is upside down. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, my brain is cloudy, my soul is upside down. I think I know what you mean. When I get that low down feeling, I know the blues must be someplace around. Oh, let's go from here. Hank Williams kind of introduced me to honky-tonk music, which is a subgenre of Western swing, so Hank Williams had already entered my psyche, not just as a songwriter, but as a purveyor of, of Western music. So it, uh, that's when I, I went, wow, there's a whole lot more to country music than, than just Mother Mabel Carter and, and that sort of thing, who I loved, you know. But the first song I ever learned on guitar, learned, you know, to play of something other than strumming a chord was Wildwood Flyer by uh, the Carter family. And to then see, oh, wow, these guys are playing jazz and blues 
but they really are, but they're quote country western musicians. Is, it all made sense to me. Reading up on Bob Wills and that band, you know, this was before amplification. So if you had four or five fiddles going, trumpet, trombone, you didn't need amplification, right? You had power wherever you went. And um, my group, Dust Bowl Revival, had up to 10 people at one time. You guys were also an inspiration to us, you know, a, a band that paid homage to sort of this American historical music, but did it your own quirky way, you know, and had female and male singers always as lead singers, which I always loved. Talk about how uh, you founded the group. I know, you know, they say it started in West Virginia and then you went to Oakland and Austin, but like, how did the first members come together to make Asleep at the Wheel? Well, Lucky and I grew up together, so I've known him since I was three years old. And we played in every kind of band there was. Um, he played mostly blues and uh, rock and roll. And I played blues, rock and roll. I played everything, jazz, bossa nova, whatever I could. So we both all went off to college. And then one, before he we went off, we went to visit my sister in Boston. And uh, they were sharing, her and her husband were sharing a place with Leroy. They were going to Northeastern uh, University. And we found we had real similar musical instruments and sort of jammed with them at their apartment. And I said, I'm going to form a band someday. And he said, well, count me in. And a year later, <laughs> we did. And uh, Lucky found the farm and said, let's move there. And we did. And it was just the three of us. I don't know what we were thinking. And how did Chris O'Connell get involved? Oh, that was... A uh, year after a year, we'd been together a year, and we had moved to this far, and we opened up for Poco in Washington, uh-huh. D.C., and her and her girlfriend, Emily, had, were singing a duet, and they tracked us down at the farm and said they wanted to join the band, so they did. And those original members are on this new record for the first time in many decades, right? Yeah, Leroy, Chris, Lucky, Lucky they're all on the record. They're all on the tour, too. Um, but Lucky can't get out of Australia. He can't get to the United States. So uh, we'll have, But we have Eddie Rivers and Cindy Cash Dollar and some of the other steel guitar players. But the original band of Leroy and Chris, me, Floyd, Tony Garnier, Danny Levin, will all be on, on the road the entire month of October, yeah. It's awesome. Most nights I lie awake Remembering the give and take Bonds the outside could not break That's how I remember it Ooh, that's how I remember it put out with Lyle Lovett, and I know he's another uh, Texas icon that you guys have played with for many years. Um, there You Go Again is just, it just makes me feel good, man, when I put it on. Oh, good. Uh, there you go again, 
there you go again Red lipstick and the dyed blonde hair Saying hi with a dramatic flair Off to Europe on a wing and a prayer There you go again what what is what is it like working with him, and uh, you know how has your relationship evolved through the years? Shoot, well I met Lyle, well, you know I don't remember how long ago it was a long time in the eighties, be about eighty six, five, six, seven, sometime around then. A guy Clark introduced me to him, said he was the best songwriter he ever heard. I said, well, that's pretty good. Uh, we were at the Austin Opera House. It was Guy Clark, Rodney Crowell, Roseanne. They were doing this uh, guitar pull thing. And uh, he put out a record, and he didn't have a band. And we had some shows together, and he said, would you consider backing me up? I said, sure. Love your music. So we backed up Lyle for a number of shows, and then he did Austin City Limits, borrowed some of, uh, of the band to do it. So we've been friends that long and uh, collaborators on numerous occasions, both live and on record. He's been on every... Bob Wills tribute album because Lyle is the only other act that encompasses the wide range of materials that we do he goes from bluegrass to avant-garde jazz you know and covers it all in style um, so we've been very close friends and and uh, think the world of him yeah and I bet when you first started playing Western Swing you didn't think you'd be writing a song about sending Venmos to people you don't know <laughs> it's very, very 2021, right? Yeah, well, you write what you know, you know, and it's, it was, uh, <laughs> that song's about all of my relationships. Only one you shouldn't have let go. There you go again. There you go again. Trying to make amends with all of your high class friends. Never really dealing with your. There you go again. How have you kept sane when the road has been sort of your mistress all these years? Yeah, you know, it's your mistress, so it's um, got to have a, you know, I was married for 19 years and have two kids from the marriage, and uh, it, um, it ain't easy. Uh, it ain't easy. You know, we're gone a couple hundred days a year. You know, the fact that you're on stage is, is a tough one for some people, male or female. You know, it's a, it, like I say, you got to buy into it. You got to say, I'm going to do it. Take the good with the bad. That's the only way to do it. You, you have to have a support team of people, whether they're family, friends, or businesses, that can help you because you're gone. And, yeah. uh, you know, back in the day, without cell phones and the internet, you were really gone. I want to go back all the way to that first record uh, coming right at you, which um, is really fun to listen to. It maybe feels crazy for you to hear it now, but um, 
there's this theme in a lot of Western swing music, I think, that goes back to maybe Hank Williams and uh, Bob Wills, of this sort of cheerful nihilism, like this sort of menacing darkness that's behind this sort of happy, upbeat music. There's a lot of death, a lot of heartbreak. Um, the song Driving Nails in My Coffin I kept listening to the other day with that sort of Speedy West pedal steel and the Bob Will style fiddle. Um, but it's like talking about how, you know, the end is coming, but we're going to like enjoy ourselves anyway, which is sort of, I think, almost a good mantra for life in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, if you can sing about your troubles, um, they tend to go away. And I think that's the the lesson of music is, you know, okay, well, you know, the human condition at, at different times can be rather stressful and depressing, but uh, let's make the best of it and have a good time. That's just what it's all about, you know. Uh, playing, playing the blues makes you feel better. Like I say, it's a good way to live because otherwise, you know, it's, if you dwell on the negatives, it's kind of hard to be positive. Every time that I drink a bottle of booze, I'm driving nails in my coffin. Lordy, driving those nails over you. Come on, Johnny Gimble. Well, all right, well, all right. Was there a specific moment sometime in the ebbs and flows of your career where you thought, look, I can't get back out there. I can't keep doing this. Every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, every day. It's every day you confront what is with what you want. You hit a wall, ah, that's it. And then instead of turning around, you go over the wall or smash it down. So... But, yeah, it was, you know, good God, you know, you come up against, you know, debilitating, you know, circumstances, and you go, why am I even doing this? You know, what the hell? Why why put up with this? But the music is what made me put up with it. I just really enjoy presenting this music. I think that I do it as well as, as anybody, and um, by golly, I, I, I just... I just can't give it up. Nails in my coffin. Every time that I drink a bottle of booze, I'm just driving nails in my coffin. Lordy, driving those nails over you. What driving those nails over you? What's interesting is that in the 70s, when you first started putting out records, you know, your brand of music was mainstream country in a way. I mean, you had a top 10 uh, song in the letter that Johnny Walker read, right? I would love to live in a world where that is country music. That gravitas and the storytelling that you have in that song, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, that type of music I think is still so beloved now maybe it's considered outlaw country or it's you know Americana um, what was the country music scene like when that song was a top 10 hit oh yeah well it was uh, not what we were uh, you know we put out this record and all of a sudden it was a hit and we had a 10 piece band playing 
jumping at the Count Basie tunes, Louis Jordan, you know, Choo Choo Boogie, etc. And the audiences that liked the letter Johnny Walker read um, were like, what the hell are they playing? Then John, he got up from the table Slowly he walked outside He was thinking of his wife and little children at home And how his drinking had ruined their lives it was a good lesson in that the eclectic um, nature of what we liked and what we were good at doing was a detriment to the band because it confused the audience. Uh-huh. Um, regardless of that, you know, uh, the smart thing from an economic standpoint would have been to concentrate on that kind of thing, try to hit, make another hit record of that ilk. Uh, and then the other problem was that we had three lead singers. Right. And so was the Sleep at the Wheel a girl singer or was the Sleep at the Wheel uh, this uh, Miles and Miles of Texas guy or was it the other guy who wrote, you know, great songs? And so the confusion was, who's the Sleep at the Wheel? And, and that is a problem in modern day America because they they can't, Seemed to, you know, Fleetwood Mac was Stevie Nicks's voice. Well, uh-huh. there there were two other great voices in that band, and luckily, you know, they had smaller hits, but the big hits were her. Yeah. Um. So that was our problem, you know, was that uh, nobody could figure out where the there was. There's a song that you probably haven't heard in a long time that has a little more of that old school country energy kind of feels like a modernized Patsy Cline heartbreak song uh, I think it's off your second record called You and Me Instead which I love this feeling that came from a lot of the early country and I grew up on Patsy Cline you know those cassettes in my mom's car I think they're still there you know it just is timeless every song she sang was about someone breaking her heart Every song almost, right? Even when she was cheerful, right? Well, there was that great terror in her voice. That was Patsy, you know. But yeah, um, yep, that, well, that's that's part of the deal. When everything's going wrong, write about it, sing about it, and, and it'll get better. To go to bed Oh, I wish that me And our TV you and me instead. If you could collaborate, oh, there's my dog. All right. <laughs> if you could go back in time and collaborate with one of those lost greats, who do you think it would be? Uh, do I have to pick one? <laughs> pick two. Pick three. Yeah. Well, obviously Bob Wills. I didn't meet him, but we never actually got to talk or play so Bob Wills and his Texas Playboy the whole band you know that's uh, we were fortunate to have known some of the band 
But Hank Williams, obviously. I mean, I would love to have Hank Williams. What a, what a thing. And uh, I have played with Jerry Lee Lewis, so, you know. So Elvis and Hank Williams, there's a pretty good list right there. Well, I think people don't appreciate about some of your music and some of that uh, music from those earlier days is how um, virtuosic it is. It's almost its own version of jazz, right? You have something like the Sugarfoot Rag, which is an instrumental, uh, which I think is off your 2004 Best Of compilation that I was playing the other day. And that stuff is complicated. I mean, it feels like like a Duke Ellington piece. Yeah, well, that was Sugarfoot Garland, uh, who wrote that, was one of the greatest guitar players ever, Hank Garland. Um, and not only did he play on, not only did he write and play Sugarfoot Rag, but he played on probably 100 country western hit records and and also made a an acclaimed jazz record in, in the 60s so uh, you know that was yeah that was our model basically and that was a tribute to Hank he had a terrible auto accident in 1961 and and couldn't play anymore he's still alive but he's he had brain uh, brain damage and yeah that's the whole point is that it really is you know uh, a virtuoso performance of a different variety. When you have two dozen records out and you sample from a lot of them on your lives, performances how do you keep everything straight this many years on i don't know I do you do memory that. exercises <laughs> no 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 so far i haven't had to have a teleprompter yet so except on new songs but i'm pretty you know i try but uh yeah you know just you know i probably can sing a thousand songs or so so i'm not not, not too worried is it true that you were in a movie with Meatloaf, Blondie, and Art Carney. Yeah, wrote My friend Big Boy Medlin and Michael Ventura, they wrote it, so they wrote me in. So, yeah, that was in the 70s. And Don Cornelius, the host of Soul Train, and uh, it was quite a movie. Uh, and uh, then I starred in a movie with Dolly Parton and Gary Busey called Wild Texas Wind. And uh, Willie was in that, too, with us. You directed the music in that, right? I wrote the music and the whole score, yeah. Me and Dolly wrote six songs, and then I scored the movie, too. It's funny how a whole new young generation is now discovering Dolly Parton, you know, um, as sort of this patron saint of... Um, and she know, is, and she is. Some sort of... Uh, perfect version of what country music could be, you know. Um, what was it like working with her? She's the best. I mean, uh, we wrote six songs. She wrote this, you know, conceived this movie for a television movie and and then got it done and then said, do what you want. You go ahead, you know, score the movie. Oh, okay, I'll score the movie. You're going to co-star with me in it. Okay, you know. <laughs> it was just like, it was like a dream, uh, you know. 
I'll tell you why. It was uh, We were doing The Tonight Show, which was big enough as it is, and I'm sitting in the green room, and they say, there's a phone call for you. There was, uh, it was before cell phones. And, well, I mean, there were cell phones, but there weren't. And they said, Dolly Parton's on the phone for you. Well, well all right. He says, hey, I love what you man doing. He says, I want to do a movie with you, starring out everything. <laughs> all right. Yeah. It was quite a night. She, uh, she's brilliant. She's driven. She's obviously beautiful, but uh, she's just an amazing woman who is uh, driven to do every day something. She's just always doing something, full tilt. You know, she's just amazing. She's, she's even helping get the vaccines into people's arms. You oh, know, listen, man, her reading programs. She's you know. Down in Knoxville, Tennessee, or is it Sevierville? I don't know where she grew up. Any kid that graduates high school gets $500. I mean, she's, you know, the little things that she does are huge. And it, you know, she's just, uh, you know, she gave, she has that library, you know, the book deal that she wants kids to read. Um, she's the best. Here I am all by myself, my man. He just up and left, said he would never. Try again. And now the thing that hurts me most when he makes up his mind to go, he'll be gone like a wild Texas wind. The uh, the title track uh, off the new record, Half a Hundred Years. You know, you pay homage to a lot of the folks who came before you, obviously from that Bakersfield sound, Buck Owens, Merle Haggard. Um, do you feel like um, you're still part of that scene or you you think you're creating something completely different? The thought has been in the last few years, I sort of went, well, gosh, you know, they, they had that song, uh, Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes, uh, that George Jones did, you know? Right. And I went, well, God dang it, I got size 16 feet and I think I feel them pretty damn good. So, you know, I... I you know, I do a I do a, a Waylon song on stage. I do a, a Willie song usually. Uh, Hank Williams sometimes. Bob Wills. I really feel that that if you come and see a sleep at the wheel and watch, that you get the our version of country music. With Willie, we've been back and forth. The road it never ends. From Bakersfield, like Buck and Merle, we've lived a hundred years. I tell you, friends, I've seen a lot in half a hundred years. Five times ten or ten times five times two makes quite a sum. Half of that makes fifty years, boys. It's been quite a run. So start the jam, roll one up and ice another beer. I'll tip a hat and raise a toast to half a hundred years. I think a lot, in a lot of ways, you're part of a sort of a lost tradition of uh, song collectors, right? Um, someone who, again, honors the past, creates a piece of the future while honoring that past, but also saves a lot of these lost songs so the new generation can hear them. What would you say to people now, you know, do you think that's important to save, or do you think you should, people should just be writing their own new stuff? Both, obviously. You know, you know it's just both. And um, I just produced a band 
up in Ohio called the Shootouts, and they write most of their stuff, but they pulled out an old song that uh, hmm. Shelby Lynn had done, and I said, oh, great idea. And um, I think both. I think you got to create new if you don't have to. I'm, a, I'm also an interpreter. I interpret music as a vocalist. I'm a stylist and an interpreter. So that's a whole nother thing. But uh, always, I'm a songwriter too. So it's going to mix it up. Do both if you can. If you can't, then you're, that's something else. That's fine. When did you first meet Willie Nelson? At the very uh, beginning of your journey in the 70s? 1971, November. We were backing up Stoney Edwards, Freddie Hart, Connie Smith, Dickie Leo, all these country singers, and he was on a package show, came in, said, y'all been paid? I said, no, but he's going to pay us tomorrow. I was uh, 20 years old. Uh, and uh, Willie went to go get paid before he played and then came back and said, come on, boys, we're going back to Nashville. He don't have the money. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I met him, but he don't even remember that because, uh, you know, we were backing up Stony Edwards. We weren't called. We were asleep at the wheel, but we were called the poor folks, and we okay. were. And um, so, when I first met him, we had put out the record. It was in '73, and he heard about us. He came down to a club in Dallas to meet us, and we smoked a joint and became friends forever. Wear a great big smile, never do look sour. That's right. Travel all over the country, playing music by the hour. Oh. Take me back to Tulsa, I'm too young to marry. Take me back to Tulsa, I'm too young to marry. Take I know you've done multiple Bob Wills tribute records, some of them that have won Grammys, and a lot of people have uh, been able to rediscover his music. Um, I love that track you did with uh, Amos Lee. I hear you talking off that 2015 record, Still the King. Um, bringing the clarinet in is so dope. <laughs> Again, it feels like that New Orleans Dixieland band is sort of hiding in the back room and they're joining in and then going away again, which was part of my favorite thing about that music. Yeah, you know, um, Wynton Marcellus made me aware of the fact that the term Dixieland is probably gonna go out of style here in a little bit <laughs> yeah and that uh, we would rather call it traditional new orleans jazz so that's yeah. just from winton he's a little pretentious but he's probably right um because the whole connotation of dixie being you know the confederacy is right. the antithesis of black jazz so <laughs> but yeah amos lee is one of the great singers of our time. This is a credit is a good friend of mine and I'm so that's that cut is to me uh, well, they're all good, but it's one of my favorite ones that put it that way. And I'm all you're thinking of. Oh, I hear you talking to but you ain't been fooling me. I hear you talking. I hear you talking. Yes, I do, but you talk 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 don't ring true. I'm listening politely too, but I don't believe a word you say. You did a tour with uh, George Strait and Bob Dylan back in 2000. Do you feel like Bob is someone that you could ever get to know, or is it 
he's sort of just this eternal mystery at this point. Oh, I know Bob. <laughs> he's, you know, he's Bob. What can I say? Elaborate. <laughs> well, I've, I've hung out with him quite a bit and talked to him, and, you know, he's, uh, like you say, he's Bob Dylan. What are you going to say? You know, you don't, you never know which Bob Dylan you're talking to, for one thing. So, you know, he's a, he's a master of disguise. <laughs> There's no explaining him, you just enjoy him. He's, you know, he ain't the easiest guy to get along with, I know, and uh, some of what he does is uh, a little reprehensible, and he's pretty mercenary in a lot of ways, and... Uh, but at the end of it, you get to hear Bob Dylan, and whatever he does is, at worst case, it's interesting, and at best case, it's brilliant. You know? If you could do a album that was more um, paying homage to one artist, not Willie, not Bob Wills, someone that you've never covered before, who do you think it would be? Louis Jordan. He's like that bridge between jazz and rock and roll, you know. Jazz, rock and roll, country. I mean, you know, his his songs are novelty songs that have. Uh, there a lot of some of them are written by guys who are country music writers. Choo Choo Boogie was written by uh, a group Von Horton and a bunch of guys that were wrote country tunes too. Uh, I but anyway, Louis. This, I did get to see him. I got to see him play. Didn't get to meet him, but I got to see him. And he was just amazing. Out of sight. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. I'll be ready. I'll be ready tomorrow night. How has your pandemic been? Have you been able to write stuff at home or are you kind of uh, you've been hankering to finally get on the road? You know, I got COVID in March of 2020 and got over it by April. So we went back on the road. I mean, we, we worked all through the pandemic. Since I had it and since I had antibodies, um, I had a different experience than most people. So we did quite a few shows. Katie was also had gotten COVID. So we had the two singers and whatnot. And then some of the other guys, I said, look, we're going to wear masks. We're going to be distanced. If you, if you don't want to do it, don't come. Uh, we did. N nobody got sick, you know. And so we did a 50 shows or, or so. Um, so we were very fortunate. I, I was not locked down. Now, for the first few months, yeah. Wrote a lot. It was great. I mean, you got to understand, I, it's hard to write on the road. I'm busy. I'm on the bus, working, going to thing, get dressed, shower, get something to eat. Go do sound check, go to thing, boom, boom, play. I'm tired. You know, get back on a bus, go 500 miles. So being at home on a you know, regular basis, I was able to write lots of songs. I also have my studio here at the house, downstairs and upstairs. So it's so we were able to record. So I had a very different experience. Um, I'm happy to say, and um, got. COVID early, had a mild case, and it really freed me up to do whatever I wanted because I was not um, f afraid of getting sick. I'd already been sick. And, and it's, you know, I still wore a mask and did whatever anybody wanted. It's not that. It's just that personally, I, you know, if somebody wanted me to play, 
And as you know, there are a lot of people out there in the political spectrum who, who uh, didn't care for political reasons. Okay, you want to hear me play? <laughs> Fine. You want to take the chance of getting sick? That's your chance, you know. But so it was really good for us. Um, we didn't. We had some symphony. I think three or four symphony shows, where they, where they had a. You know, we do it with a symphony. The symphony is behind plexiglass. There was a five thousand seat auditorium with under a thousand people, and like I say, there was safe ways to do it. Um, but you know, we were fortunate. You know, we were able to do it, and it was still safe. So. Um, and then we were able to make this record. So I made another record. We did video. We did. I did that better times, and that came out just because we were. I said, "Man, let's go cut this." I just wrote it. It's about the pandemic, and so we did. You know, so I was very fortunate, and and, and it's kind of ironic that having gotten COVID early on was a good thing. Times when we join hands, neighbors and friends. Times when the good times together never end. Times when we gather, ties that bind. But we'll be together again in better times. There goes that mountain of a man, Mr. Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, everybody. You can go to asleepatthewheel.com for their newest record. It comes out October 1st. It's called Half a Hundred Years. And for you math whizzes, that's 50 years they've been making music. And they'll be kicking off their record release tour at home in Austin at the Austin City Limits Music Festival October 1st and then going up to Berkeley, California playing Freight and Salvage October 2nd and 3rd. Uh, my group Dust Bowl Revival will also be playing Freight and Salvage in Berkeley October 24th. Please check that out. Sam Chase and the Untraditional will be playing as well. And we'll be playing a really cool show at Castoro Cellars Winery in uh, Templeton, California near Paso Robles with the wonderful Mother Hips. So please check that out. DustBowlRevival.com if you head over to our mothership, thebluegrasssituation.com, you'll see that back in 2018, Amanda Wicks did a wonderful article about Asleep at the Wheel's record, New Roots. Check that out. And if you can, please check out the other podcasts that BGS puts out, like Harmonics with Beth Bears. She's the cheeky lass from Two Broke Girls. Can you believe that this October marks the third anniversary of our fair program's existence? Yes, the show on the road is turning three, and I'm so glad that you're still here. So please help spread the word, tell your friends about us, write us a kind review, and tell me which artist I should talk to next. There's going to be some really cool new episodes coming out if all goes to plan, including my talk with Pokey Lafarge, the Felice Brothers, and more. If you're crazy and you want to see entire uncut interviews from start to finish, you can go to our YouTube page, The Show on the Road, and our Instagram, at Show on the Road Podcast, has really cool snippets of our talk. So please check it out, and we'll see you next week. The Show on the Road is written, produced, and edited by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, and we are a part of the BGS Podcast Network. You can, yes, you can give money to this program to keep it going at Dust Bowl Revival on Venmo or ZNLupiton at gmail.com on PayPal. That's it for me. Stay safe, stay creative, and we'll see you on the trail. The Tired of 2020, ready to flee. Tired of being lonely, yearning to breathe free. Remember the rhythm 
time. 